Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. None of us like to think of it too much, but we will all reach a stage in life where we become dependent on others, which for many of us will mean a nursing home. In a piece in today's Irish Times, the consultant geriatrician at Tally University Hospital, Desmond O'Neill, argues that this is exactly why we should care about the condition of our nursing homes. Desmond, Des, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Sean. And uh, how many yep. how many people are in nursing home care at the moment? Yeah. There are over 20,000 uh, older Irish people in nursing homes. And uh, I mean, I think to make it very clear, this is in no way a critique of the people who are working, uh, the staff who are working in the nursing homes. It's a critique of the lack of a framework, the lack of a, of a positive policy within, within which they've been asked uh, to work. And I mean, while there are obviously clearly areas of excellence, my own mother had excellent care in a voluntary nursing home at the end of her life. The real challenge was perhaps put forward by the ombudsman when he severely criticised the nursing home system for a lack of uh, dignified treatment, self-determination and independence for younger people. But with no thought whatsoever and indeed no public reaction whatever to, well, how does that apply to the other 20,000 people, in uh, over 20,000 people in the nursing homes. Mm. Now, the good news to a certain extent is not only are we living longer, but we're living healthier. But, you know, if we are dependent at all stages of our lives and others, it's not so apparent perhaps in, in, you know, at certain stages of life, but we have codependencies. But in Australia, it's been reckoned that one in three men and sorry, one in four men and one in three women will spend time in a nursing home before they die. And what we've really got to stop saying is I'd hate to end up in a nursing home and saying, well, actually, that's going to be potentially part of my future. Let's make it as good as it can be. Yeah. Now, th- there was one shocking uh, fact that you cited in this piece today about uh, it, certainly at least in terms of the uh, regulation, uh, what the size of a person's room should be. Yes, I mean, uh, one of the problems of not having a proactive policy, of not having the population saying we want this better, is that the maximum in the regulation, uh, sorry, the minimum in the regulations becomes the maximum. And really, you know, we we, we need to be completely rethinking both the space we we give to people and how we organize that space, particularly into smaller domestic-sized units, which can be grouped together and could need to be as near as possible to where the person is living, rather than very large units which are far distance from where you originally lived near family and friends. Mm. Uh, though it was, uh, uh, though I think what I was referring to was that the the, the, um, the size of a room uh, is is about the size of a parking spot. Well, it's smaller than the minimum size. the The minimum space of a residence room under the National Nursing Home Standards is smaller than the minimum size of a parking space mandated by Dublin City Council. And that really is, I mean, ideally people should be able to bring some furniture and effects from where they were. Um, by and large, the bed you will have in a nursing home will be will be a care-type bed, so it's rather larger. And I think we do need to be looking at more space. We look at more greenery, look at, at, at a rethink of, of the design. Mm. Now, and, yeah, now, because I suppose people will be familiar with uh, nursing homes as uh, quite large institutions. Would you talk a little bit more about uh, what you just said there previously about we should start thinking about uh, a model of smaller, more and smaller? Yeah. Now, th- this is very 
doable, uh, but it involves kind of a shift in thinking. This is known as the greenhouse, or there has been an Irish version of it uh, developed in concept called Chilock, our household. And the idea is that if you're going to have a 50-bedded nursing home, say, you'd make that into four 12 to 15 units, each with kind of a front door to it and a more domestic type um, environment in terms of having a sitting room, living room, kitchen, rather than having, you know, one common room for 25 people, you know, which really is not how any of us would live. And we've got to start realising that hotels and restaurants that we go to aren't the way they are because of regulation. They're that way because we have generated an expectation out there to the market of what we want. And we need to start generating the same idea. And there's no doubt in terms of land cost and price uh, is that we need to see a radical increase in the amount of public and voluntary nursing homes here because this this is going to, to get appropriate lands for appropriate sized developments. This really needs a kind of public overview. It also needs a public overview of how we provide the care. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not just the, the, the policymakers. The policymakers are effectively sensitive to the general public. But actually, even within the professions, within nursing and medicine, uh, we've also averted our gaze from a proactive, positive approach. Uh, we did a survey of how much research had been done on nursing home care in Ireland. And up to COVID, it was unbelievably slender. Like, we, we've kept our eye off this ball. And it's a really very complex task to organize a domestic-type environment for people with complex uh, chronic medical conditions. Mm. So we need to get our thinking caps on. And the first stage of that is the general population to say among themselves and to their policymakers and politicians, we want this to be better, somewhere where we can flourish. Uh, the the fact that the nursing homes weren't looked at too much until COVID was perhaps the, the, the increased level of scrutiny to do with the fact that our nursing homes, compared to other countries, did very poorly uh, during the pandemic. Yes, we, we we were at the wrong end of the scale of deaths in uh, nursing homes in a, in, a, in a study which we were were part of, and what our system hadn't because there hadn't been concentration on it, hadn't built in resilience hadn't uh, clarified how uh, the medical side of care was to be provided, its linkages to uh, second, what we call secondary care, you know, hospitals and specialist services and public health. Now, while there has been some moves towards improving that, and indeed, you know, huge efforts were made by uh, the HSE to, to, to engage, it was, you know, effectively reactive rather than saying, uh, how can you know? How can we make this more robust, more resilient? Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose within the profession, I think it went under the radar a bit. Is that the implementation team for the recommendations of the ministerial panel uh, closed down in June? And we would think that many of the things that needed to be done, all the timelines had slipped, and many of the things hadn't been implemented. You know, it's as if it's as if we've we've moved on, rather than saying, "Hold on a minute." This really showed up uh, systematic problems still in our uh, nursing home sector, which need to be addressed. Mm. And one of the not only is this important for the uh, the residents and their families, but it's really important for the staff who, who you know who suffered hugely 
uh, during the pandemic. And one of the reasons, they, the, the key reason they suffered was lack of a policy drive, the lack of professional engagement in the, in the area. So we mustn't l- lose sight of, of the, the opportunities that COVID offered us to say, let's get this right. And one of the reasons, I suppose, I ended up writing the piece was I was concerned to find out that the implementation panel had stopped with so much of the work undone. Yeah. Now, at at the same time, uh, the majority of nursing homes in this country are are privately run, Uh, at least in part. There's there's an element of they have to make a profit if they want to stay in business, which is why they are structured the way they are and in the locations that they are. So, so would you be thinking about getting rid of those places altogether and replacing them with these, uh, a network of smaller homes? Well, you see, this, this, happened, this happened really without discussion. And I think to have, it's really about, you know, they, they say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago and the <laughs> second best time is now. What we need to start thinking now is how do you integrate uh, a largely privatized system where profit is a key motive. And indeed, uh, prior to COVID, Ireland was seen as an attractive place for uh, investment in nursing homes as a, an assured uh, revenue stream, is how do we integrate this into a, a ramped up statutory provision of of standardized and appropriate care? And I mean, there really needs to be a, 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 a jump start here into how we do that. So, no, obviously, we've got to start from where we are. We can't, we we perhaps need to say no more building of large, you know, 200 bed units. And we need to be looking at, you know, uh, greenhouse design, 50 bedded units. And it's not, for example, that a group can't manage a series of them. So, for example, you could centralize some of the sophisticated functions like infection control and occupational health you know those sort of things. It's it, it doesn't mean that every single fifty bedded unit has to be uh, managed by a single entity. You know they can be managed, but we do need a long hard look, which we haven't done. Is how do you integrate a largely privatised system into uh, the broader health system? Yeah, and of course they will always have the argument that uh, you know that uh, you're asking us to do more, our profits will go down. We can't afford it. There's a danger people will pull out of that market. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this is a challenge. I mean, it's a, it's a challenge always when uh, the public sector engages with the private sector is how do you um, make a system that um, doesn't, doesn't get eroded by, by, by the profit, profit-taking side. And I, I mean, I do think uh, we need to perhaps rethink that balance of, you know, we, we've gone from um, it was roughly fifty fifty when I arrived back in Ireland in the in the in the early nineties to eighty uh, over eighty to less than twenty and uh, we need to i think to re- think hard about growing up again and particularly in terms of giving us an experience and a knowledge of what's going on within the public system of the public side yeah in in your piece you do kind of draw a comparison to to hotels and the, the reason why hotels are the standard they are is because people would demand that yeah. at the moment in Ireland as if someone has a family member who might be going into a nursing home in the near future do they even have the option to shop around yeah but well it depends on your on your area and uh, you know what what's available around 
Uh, by and large, I think nursing homes are mindful that this is somewhere where people are living and the residents. So it's not a you know question of kind of just come and see us any time. But um, it, it depends on what's 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 available. But by and large, certainly under the so-called fair deal scheme, it doesn't tie you to any one particular uh, nursing home. Mm. But it really depends on 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 what's in your area. But effectively, uh, there is and should be choice if there's a number of nursing homes in your area. It, it depends on capacity and ability to take, of course. Yeah. Uh, actually, one question from a listener before I let you go, Des. Uh, can you ask your guest if nursing homes exist with double bedrooms for cases where perhaps a married couple that both require care can be together? Yeah, nursing homes, first of all, the answer is there are, yeah, there certainly are. And in fact, I mean, we still possibly have a too high a proportion of multi-occupancy rooms in nursing homes by the minimum standards. And on the other hand, there are a number of, uh, most nursing homes have a room with the possibility of taking two people. I think where we've fallen behind on design is rather than having a room that is got two single beds, we should be thinking perhaps of a larger room that allows the opportunities of two people, either twin or, or, or together, you know, two beds together. So I think there is a bit of design thinking to be done. So the answer is yes, there are multi-occupancy rooms but I'm not yet aware of anyone that has it so organised that it's effectively set up as a double bedroom. And that's something I think we need to be thinking about into the future. Des, thanks a million for speaking with us today. Uh, that was uh, Professor Desmond O'Neill there, the consultant geriatrician at Tala University Hospital. Right, let's find out what's in the cash machine. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.